Hello and welcome to Entmoot, a Battle Games in Middle-Earth podcast all about the Middle-Earth strategy battle game from Games Workshop. I'm Harry and this is episode two. The first episode saw me going into the Wilderland. This episode I'll be heading to the desolation of Stockport. Into the Wilderland last week, or well a couple of weeks ago now, we uh, I played, played a 750 point tournament in Borstal in Buckinghamshire in the UK and I spoke to Mark Kempster the organiser, uh, and Callum Edens, the winner of that tournament, and of course to a few of my uh, my opponents over the weekend. Uh, some great, great games I had, and uh, some great opponents, and some great chats about their strategies, their lists, and ultimately about the battles we had. So if you want to head back and uh, check that episode out, first episode, just take a look on iTunes or on SoundCloud, search for Entmoot, and you'll be able to uh, catch up on that. But on to this week's episode, where as I say, I'll be heading to the Desolation of Stockport, which I must say is actually one of the very first tournaments I've, I ever went to. Um, I think the second tournament I actually went to, not obviously this year's one, but a previous year's one, I went to the Desolation of Stockport. I think it was 2017 or 18. Uh, no, it must have been 2017, the, the first one I went to, so a couple of years ago now. Um, a really great tournament held by uh, James Clark and Jamie Giblin, famous, of course, for being on the GBHL podcast YouTube channel. Uh, if you're embedded in the scene, you'll know exactly what I'm talking about. But this one, it's at Element Games in Stockport, uh, near Manchester, very close to Manchester, where Ardicon is held. Of course, again, something if you're embedded in the scene you absolutely know all about. But this one, it's an interesting tournament because it's a 600-point tournament, which I must say has given me some uh, things to think about. So uh, I'll be talking about my lists, uh, of course, for the tournament in a few seconds. And, of course, throughout this episode, I'll be talking to as many of my opponents throughout the weekend as I possibly can. Um, So it might not be all of them. It may end up being all of them. But um, just because of time constraints, I won't be able to talk to everyone, uh, I'm sure. Um, But also, I'll definitely make sure that I have a chat with uh, the organiser, Jamie Giblin. James Clark, of course, a key uh, person organising this tournament as well. But I want to save him for a later podcast because I want to talk to him about Ardicon in the summer. So fingers crossed I get to talk to him about Ardicon, but I won't be talking to him about uh, the, uh, the, the desolation of Stockport this weekend. So, uh, so coming up on this episode, we'll have interviews with Jamie Giblin. Uh, we'll also have interviews with whoever wins the tournament, and of course with some of my opponents. We'll also have Riddles in the Dark segment uh, later on in the programme. Thank you very much for uh, for getting in touch, if you did, about uh, the previous Riddles in the Dark riddle. Uh, basically, it's a bit where I play a clip of a, uh, a segment of The Lord of the Rings. You have to tell me who speaks after the bit that I've just played, and what they say. Got a couple of correct answers, but maybe it was a bit too hard for you. I don't know. Maybe you just didn't fancy getting in touch. Well, this time do. Entmootpodcast at gmail.com if you want to get in touch about anything, really, as well as the Riddles in the Dark, which will go on to later. Warrior, build me a worthy of But first, I think it's about time we talk about the tournament. So as I said, it's a 600-point tournament. So 
it's a little bit smaller uh, than a couple of the games I've been playing recently. So uh, the last few months I've been playing at the Grand Tournament in Nottingham, uh, the Throne of Schools, again, Nottingham. Um, I've also been playing at the Into the Wilderland, which is 750 points. Uh, so actually a lot of the games I've been playing have been around the 700 or above uh, a mark. So 600 points, a little bit different for me recently. I've been, uh, so it's actually I found it quite difficult to squeeze a list in. I knew I wanted to take my Khazadum army uh, with Durin and plenty of Hearthguard, but I've really struggled in terms of how many Hearthguards to go with, what the other warband is going to be led by, whether to go with one or two warbands at the GT. I had, uh, I had Durin with um, with 16, I think, Hearthguard. Uh, then I also had a Dwarf King for the march. And I had a, a, a Mardin for some extra might, um, as well as some a mixture of Vault Wardens and things like that. And I just don't have enough points to fit all that in this time. So anyway, without f- further ado, let's get on to my list. So I'll just open it up on the old pooter. And um, what I've gone with this time is Durin. Yes, uh, 160 points, 14 Hearthguard, so that's 182 points worth of Hearthguard. Now, if you don't know the Hearthguard, they're Khazadguard, uh, so they've got the two-handed axes, but they've got ex- essentially a burly, uh, so it means that they don't have that minus one to the dual roll, so they can always go two-handed for that extra extra wound uh, wounding potential, so they're most of the time they're wounding on four pluses uh, in the second warband I've got the King's Champion uh, with two heralds so King's Champion, uh, big monstrous hero two heralds, two banners that join him and uh, they all get defence bonuses if they're all next to each other so that's 140 points so uh, I've, I've spent a lot of points on the King's Champion and the logic behind this compared with what I took to the GT which the Dwarf and the Mardin and the other warbands is that um, I was spending an awful lot of point on the banners and I wasn't getting a lot of killing power with those two heroes um, I got a lot of might, five might off those two heroes and only two might here um, but I wasn't getting enough killing power, and I think with the three attacks on the King's Champion, with the Heralds with two banners, I'll be able to spread that banner potential across all of my Hearthguard and the heroes, and hopefully that'll mean that I'm not losing as many combats, so it doesn't matter if I don't have as much stuff backing them up. That's the idea. We'll see if it works in practice with only five might in the list. But uh, the rest of that warband is going to be filled up with four Vault Warden teams. I really, really rate Vault Wardens. The Defence 9 front line of those uh, those shields is absolutely insane. I think in the games that I've played, which is somewhere around 10 or so in the new rules with Dwarves, I think I've lost like one or two uh, of the front line of those Vault Warden teams, so the shield-bearing ones. So really tough defence nine. Um, strength fours and fives, they're, they're just just—they're not doing anything against it. It's really hard to get through. And of course, the only way pretty much of getting spears into a dwarf list. So again, really useful, I found, in uh, terms of where you can uh, put those spears to back up Durin if he's been uh, in, got in trouble or he's wanting to really chop through something that's a bit tougher than maybe he's hoping or... or maybe a Hearthguard on his own in a, against some, an Urukai or Berserker or something like that, uh, and you really want to get that enough dice to win the combat, really useful having those spears. And actually the Vault Wardens, even though they get a minus one for only operating on their own, um, they don't care. They don't care. Minus one, dual roll, you can shield, you get two dice at minus one. Yeah, if you lose the combat, you push back. But your defence nine, so you're very rarely going down. So uh, that's the logic. Actually, the spares are going to very rarely back them up. Um, and then the uh, round it all off with 18 points. I've got left to spend. Uh, so I'm with two dwarves with shields. Just 
standard dwarf warriors and i think these are probably just going to be um straddling the the side ranks just to fill out the uh, the edges uh, shielding just to hold the ground basically and and engage people uh, in a tournament uh, a few weeks ago i um i basically ended up shielding for like three turns in a row against a a, a Candice Chariot, uh, Candice Chariot Chief or King, I can't remember, I think it was a King, shielding against him and holding up because although I was losing half of those fights, he wasn't wounding him because I was defence seven. So uh, so yeah, they, they've, they've got some potential there. They're just the Dwarf Warriors if you're using them right, I think. Um, so that leaves me with 28 models. Uh, so my break's at 14 and uh, 25 is at 7. No bows, uh, so I'm going to be having to go to uh, to the opponent, which worries me a little bit. That's so... so on, uh, let's do the pros and cons. So the pros, the Hearthguard, Durin, and the King's Champion have so much killing power. With those two heralds, the with the banners, if if it's a, a standard deployment in somewhere where I can deploy them in a block, that is a lot of damage output that I can be ki- kicking out uh, per turn. So loads of things wounding on fours, loads of stuff that uh, stuff that is just not going to die. A lot of dice there, a lot of banners. So I, I'm pretty happy with the killing potential of this army. Um, but as I mentioned, the downsides are basically movement. Dwarves have already got short legs, so that's a downside. But without the king, I'm worried that I'm not going to have the march, so I'm not going to be able to move forward as quickly as I want to be doing, really, or get around awkward posi- uh, terrain and things like that. So if I'm coming up against, again, Urukai with crossbows or anything that's got a lot of shooting, a lot of wounding uh, shooting, I'm going to be a little worried um, not too worried because I've got very high defence but a little worried and I, I don't want to be out outmanoeuvred by Rohan and things like that, it's going to be very difficult to to counter that, that uh, sort of army, especially in a objective-based scenarios and the other thing i'm worried about is is just again just that might i mentioned the the lack of being able to move but not having the um having enough might so i've got five might not having enough might for those heroic moves i'm really concerned about potentially uh suffering in terms of you know being pinned down in one place if i'm not churning through stuff which i should do but if i'm not doing that then i'm gonna get stuck in in places if i keep losing those uh priority rolls or once i'm out of might or if i need to say use during to strike up or, or the king's champ to strike up against trolls and things like that um i'm gonna really struggle i think in terms uh, of the late game uh, sort of scenarios contest of champions things like that lords of battle i just think i'd be quite good at to the death i'm happy with that i've got plenty of banners things like that so It'll, it'll all depend on the scenarios. It's a random scenario kind of uh, kind of situation uh, at the desolation of Stockport. So so there's my list. Um, the one Durin, fourteen Hearthguard, King's Champion, and his two Heralds, four Vault Warden teams, and two Dwarves with shields, all coming up to six hundred points. And at the tournament on the Friday night, uh, if I get there in time, uh, I'll be playing uh, in the Chaos in Arda as well, which is something that uh, is invented by the DCHL over in America. And they uh, they come up with this great idea. It's a 450-point uh, kind of battle royale kind of uh, thing. Four players on a game, lots of random objectives, all that sort of stuff, all for a bit of fun on the Friday night. If I can get there on time, which I'm hoping I do... Um, I've got Sauron and an Orc captain, so 450 points. Sauron, I painted him for the tournament a few weeks ago in the previous podcast, so I want to get him, get uh, get some games in with him. So Sauron is going to be uh, what you're facing up against if you come up against me in the Chaos on Arda on the Friday night. So that is the desolation of Stockport. Really excited about that. So um, I think in a second I'll be going to get that. But first... Riddles in the dark. 
So this is, uh, as I mentioned in the intro, uh, the intro preamble of the uh, the podcast. This is where I play a clip from a Lord of the Rings or Hobbit film, uh, and basically you have to try and work out who says the next line. The first one was pretty tough. I'll give you that. The first uh, episode, uh, I, I played a little clip that went a little bit like this. And if you know your films, you know very well exactly what it is. Um, but if you... Maybe if the audio wasn't very good, I, I did have some comments saying it was a bit quiet um, last week, so hopefully it's a bit, uh, a bit more suitable this week. But if you didn't quite get it, you can hear Frodo breathing and, and kind of snuffling a bit. Um, then you can hear him hastily hiding the ring underneath his, um, underneath his, his jacket, or his, his shirt, sorry. And then you can hear a little bit of extra breathing, which is Smeagol arriving to say, wake up, sleepies! So this is what it sounded like in real life. So there you go. That was that was last week's riddle in the dark. Well done to you who got it correct. Uh, as I said, must have been quite difficult, or maybe it was uh, that you didn't fancy getting in touch for whatever reason. Because I know uh, plenty of you have listened to the podcast. Uh, so thank you very much for all of you who've listened. Uh, if you did listen and didn't know the answer, then fair enough. If you did listen and did know the answer, you should have got in touch because you'd get a shout out like Lachlan Linton Keen of Zorpa Zorp Gaming. Uh, Lockie, well done. You got it exactly right. You said, yes, wake up, wake up, wake up, sleepies. We must go. Yes, we must go at once. It is, of course, uh, Smeagol and Gollum say you well done Lockie well done you you got it correct absolutely and Nathaniel Van Til uh, you get it exactly right too he says you say Gollum wake up wake up sleepies we must go yes there you go so uh, that was the answer well done uh, to uh, both of you who, who got in touch to get that right uh, if you uh, did know the answer didn't get in touch then make sure you do this time because this is this week's clip you've got to tell me who speaks next after this clip and what they say One more time. And I'll remind you exactly what the riddle in the dark is at the end of the episode. But if you know right away, email in entmootpodcast at gmail.com with your answer. If you think you know the next line from the films. Okay, now, right, a best... Oh, creaky, creaky legs. Best get up, head over, and finish off packing my uh, my case. I've got uh, to add Sauron to the case, actually, and my orc captain. So I'll do that. Uh, so I've got my, all my dwarves. I, I needed to throw in an extra vault warden because uh, before I was thinking of having a couple of extra hearth guard, uh, but I debated two hearth guard for a vault warden and a shield for another dwarf warrior. So I swapped them in at the last minute. 
I'll see if that I regret that in the end, but I need to get my other Volt Warden. So putting the other Volt Warden in, case closed, and we're ready to pack up and drive to Stockport. So while I walk from the Airbnb to Element Games and up through the creaky doors and the creaky stairs, I'll proceed to the tournament itself with a little warning. You may be able to tell this is my voice, and this is my voice on Tuesday after the tournament. I started losing my voice on Saturday afternoon, and basically it never recovered throughout the tournament. So. I'm going to try and do some radio jiggery pokery with a few of the interviews later on in the tournament. But I'll proceed it by saying that, I'll be honest, my voice sounds a lot more like the Witch King than myself for a lot of the questioning later on. But uh, I'll let you decide whether it's still worth listening to or not. I thought I'll do the interviews and ask the questions and everyone else's voice is fine. So hopefully you get your way through it. Anyway, on to game number one. It's uh, Keld Kjortskov, first game, um, my Durin and Dwarves against just, first of all, tell me what your army list was and what you had in your 600 points. Well, basically it was the, uh, the ancient army of Thor and the alliance with Dale, uh, so Girion was on the field and uh, Thor himself. Uh, yeah, so Battle of the Dwarves, definitely. Yeah, I, I realised in this game how difficult it is to play against something with Defence 7. And I've, I feel like I got a taste of my own medicine at the start because it was very difficult to break through your Dwarven front line. Yeah, and, and apparently the, the dice were with me the first few rounds, so I think I took out eight of your guys before you killed anyone mm. on my side, and that's not really statistical. It's, uh, yeah, yeah it, was, it was a rough starting couple of turns. So let's just uh, explain more on the context. It, this was a contest of champions, so all about the leader kills and um, who, whether the leaders did any wounds on each other. And neither of our leaders performed particularly well at all. <laughs> no, the kill count of 2-1 in your favour uh, tells the, the story basically. Basically, yeah, that uh, they were they were not performing. No, really, quite badly. Um, I, I think, as you mentioned, just as we finished the game, um, I started with the line in the centre with Durin in the middle with his half guard behind him, and um, and then put my king's champion in front. And you, you went for the king's champion with Thrall. Yeah, I think that was a strategic mistake from the beginning. I should have uh, go, gone for softer targets, even though there are many in your army. Mm. So, uh, but at least uh, some are softer than him. Uh, yeah, but sometimes you get lured by the idea of killing a big model from the beginning. Uh, mm. That w- would have been nice. So, yeah, uh, that's that's the way it goes sometimes. It, it, it is, but uh, as you said, the, uh, the, the, the defense bonus, uh, uh, the strength of my army, uh, what did you think uh, in terms of when you, when you saw the army on the table with the high defense that you were facing up against, uh, what sort of strategy did you think of? Did, did you like, fancy your chances? Uh, I was hoping my axes, throwing axes, would do uh, do the trick. I don't think they killed anything during the entire game. No, I'm trying uh, to think, but I don't think so. Uh, they came close once, but that's that's about it. Uh, so they didn't really work well. Uh, so again, statistically, you should have uh, basically tabled me uh, in the end. Uh, I think I think the plus one, uh, the two-handed uh, to wound uh, rolls you have with your uh, Durance folk is uh, is is tough and. Um, 
So even uh, Armour 7 is not enough against it in the long run? Yeah, in the long run, I think uh, it did eventually start uh, working in my favour. But as you yes. say, in those first few turns, I was I was scratching my head in disbelief because I, I lost a lot of combats. But also, when I did lose, uh, win the combats, I, I felt very frustrated. I kept hitting, getting those threes to wound, which I'd only needed the uh, fives, wasn't it? It was yes. uh, so a note of the rerolls and the ones. So there's there's a good chance uh, half half and half of those combats I should have been killing, but just didn't work out like that. But um, I must say, I, I love your thematic army, uh, the, the Girion and his horrible shooting. You, you managed to take out a few very high defence models early on, and uh, that, yeah, that really some, really put me on the back. Work. But, but they were standing on a ledge, and so for half the game they didn't do anything. Uh, I tried to, to uh, reposition in order to uh, get some valid targets. Uh, I think that hurt me a little bit again, uh, mm. because uh, you took advantage of that repositioning. Uh, instead of me picking the combats you did and mm. I don't think it was a wise result mm. I ended up backing Thor into a wall and having him trapped so he was in a pinch uh, yeah. he could have been killed easily yeah, yeah I, I think you, I, I made a, a bad move with a, a Vault Warden uh, who I took a courage check before I'd done Durin's which uh, would have given the, uh, the the stand fast so I made a bit of a mistake there and, and I ended up getting Durin pinned and trapped instead of the other way around <laughs> but uh, it, it worked out really well and uh, for me I, I'm, I, I thought it was a excellently well played you, you, you really know what you're doing and uh, a 6-2 victory to, to me sounds like a big victory but I, I really thought that it was it was very close it's basically the one kill that Doran made that was higher than Thor's one kill uh, so a uh, 2-1 yeah. in the kill count that yeah. gave you five points yeah, yeah. absolutely yeah. and that did the win <laughs> exactly yeah. well uh, Kel thank you very much for the game thank you it's been a pleasure thank you cheers <laughs> So, uh, game number two, um, facing up against Johnny Wright, and um, it was hold ground, which... Well, first of all, what did you think when you were f- facing up against I mean, it was, it was dwarves? Of the, of the 11 remaining scenarios was the one that I didn't want. Um, so my list is... Um, it's Rivendell Forts, pure Rivendell, so Gilgalad, 11 Kingsguard, three knights in one warband. Then the second warband is Kurdan, seven warriors, uh, four with bow and spear. So... Yeah, I mean, dwarves are a really tough matchup for the because I just although I'll win most of the fights or should should win most of the fights, it's the killing that's the issue, and I think we we kind of saw that. So, I think the king's champion and Jorin kind of lit, cut my my numbers down, which made it in a in a scenario where it's numbers on the on the objective, it made it a bit of an uphill battle. Yeah, and and I think like you say the. Um Although you had the fight six guys, which which I was scared of, a couple of crucial Elven Blade rolls went my way, and and Durin and King's Champion just got like maybe an extra two or three more uh, Elf kills than perhaps you might have expected, and then that left uh, you you suffering in terms of numbers in that in that centre point. But I mean, it was it was a, like you say, it was a really hard match because you had to kill so many dwarves with strength three guys. But I mean, I'll, I'll be honest, I, th- I think you were really unlucky, especially on those um, those roll offs, the Elven Blade roll offs that. Really, more, way more should have gone. It should have been the opposite. I got, I think, three out of the four, and you got something like that. So, something. I mean, I hate, I hate blaming dice rolls because I think it clouds any any tactical decision that mm. might have been a poor decision leading up to that that, that put me in that decision making situation. Um, I think I tried, I tried to kind of pincer with the knights on one side, Gilgalad coming around the other side to, to sort of make your numbers count for less. Um, it kind of it worked all right. I think I was ahead to start with. Yeah, you, you certainly. When, once you got those Rivendell Knights in at the first, you took out about two or three Khazad Guard on or uh, Kingsguard on a uh, half guard on one side, and then 
Gilgalad was slowly working his way through, but he botched a couple of combat rolls, which just didn't help him, and I, he di- he didn't make up for the numbers that Duran and King's Champion were making up for. So I guess that's where you you you, you, you struggle to even things out. I know what you're saying about um, tactical decisions, you know, sometimes clouded by dice rolls, but like what what would you when you were when you saw the army on the field? That was your idea, the pincer. Was that the main tactic you were going for? Did you did you think you, you kind of achieved the main tactics, or did you think you made any mistakes? Um, you can say you know <laughs> if you think you didn't make any mistakes. I'm trying, that's I'm, fine. Trying to, I'm trying to. I'm trying to think back. I mean, yeah. I tried to. I tried. There wasn't really an area on the board, especially with it being in the centre of the board, where I could make my numbers count for more and reduce the number of combats. And you only had a, well, you had four spear supports. Mm. There was never really a point at which um, I was able to get more combats where I had the number advantage. Beyond, the, beyond that first where I think I was ahead. Yeah. But then the fact that you strength four makes, it's, it's, it's a pretty tough matchup again because everything's on on fives. Um, if you go in two-handed, it's even harder. Mm. I think, And I think that's it. And also because we were pinned, we've got these two bits of terrain in the centre of the board that mean that the, the lines meant that you couldn't easily flank round the outsides and take away any of those uh, squishier spears early on. So it was, I think... It, it was always going to be quite a difficult matchup facing up against a hard defence nine or seven front line of people who are choppy through and t- tough to kill. And I think even the deployment, so Harry was lucky enough to get sixes on both of his uh, maelstrom rolls. Yeah, sorry about that. <laughs> I rolled I rolled a two and a four, so the two, so I did, I did deploy together um, at the opposite end of the board, but the fact that I got the two first, which was the, the models were, that I wanted in the front were started off behind kind of lost me a couple of turns which made the dwarves shorter movement distance not really make too much of an impact so we, we kind of met pretty centrally and yeah, it, it, it actually almost felt like a pitch battle because you know by the time we got into the middle because the dwarves were their little legs there we you'd have f- almost formed up the way you probably wanted to and i'd formed up the way pretty roughly much. i'd wanted to yeah pretty much yeah um I think the, t- the terrain was interesting because it, it also limited my bow fire a bit mm. in the way I had to kind of slalom through the tents blocking line of sight to get any bow fire off. So the knights, whilst pincering, if I'd been pincering around woods or you know so- something else like that, then I could still have been firing the bows. But I kind of had a couple of turns where even just thinning Harry's numbers by another two models would have made quite a considerable difference when we then hit that's it because you can break through those lines and get through to stuff that you really want to get or you can surround the things that are struggling well either way I, th- I think you played it really well 6-1 uh, in the end wasn't it 6-1 yeah. uh, just because I just managed to have one extra uh, uh, enough to double the number of people around the central objective but it was a really close match and I barely touched Gilgalad so uh, I think had we had another turn we rolled a 1 on the, the uh, end condition um, had we had another turn I think Gilgalad if, had he not if he kept fighting the way he did he probably wouldn't have done very well but if he'd uh, done the way he should have done it'd have been a very different story I think yeah I think I Harry did well in in terms of not allowing his heroes that close to Gilgalad which would have given me some might back with his blood and glory rule which late game you know when you're trying to get the turn and you're trying to oh, sorry trying to, get, trying to get the priority and stop the dwarves moving to within six or even picking the fights would have made a little bit of a difference because having the bodyguard rule was pretty pretty strong as well because the the, the main reason Kurdan's in the list is obviously against shooting lists you can do blinding light against low courage models he's got aura of dismay yeah. against things causing terror he's got aura of command and the aura of the aura of dismay 
pretty much counted for nothing with, yeah, the, with I, the heavy bodyguard. I was going to say, I, I, I probably rolled two or three uh, courage checks, and I think I passed most of them anyway. So, it, it, like you say, because of the bodyguard rule, it, it really didn't play into it very much. But either way, Johnny, uh, really, really well played. Uh, thanks for the game, and ha- no problem. hopefully the rest of your tournament works out well. Yeah, good luck to you, Harry. Cheers. Thank you. So the end of game number three, and this was seize the prize, of course, and my dwarven little legs really struggled in this one. Uh, we've got Tanya Teboon, my opponent. Tanya, well done, first of all. You beat me. But what, what, do you, what did you think, first of all, when you saw my army uh, with all those high defence models? Did you fancy your chances? I did fancy my chances because got, I've got my strength four, I've got my rend, I've got my howl from my falbies. But what really worried me was it was so easy for your half guard to wound me because normally I'm thinking, you need sixes to wound my Moranans, but yours were on fours. It's like it's, it, it was like a chopping match in the centre. Was, everyone was just like hacking each other to bits. It was. There was a lot of death in this in this one. And in fact, because of the uh, the scenario ending on a twenty five percent, and we both ended up on the twenty five percent. But just to, just get a, briefly summarise your list for us, uh, six hundred points. You start with the Witch King of Angmar. Yes, yeah, so I've got the Witch King of Angmar on Fail Beast. He's got his full might, full fate, and free extra will. I was worried about coming up against a lot of Rohirrim lists here, so I needed a monster to do some hurling. Mm. And then it's literally Orc Captains, lots of Orcs. It's get the numbers in, get me Army bonus, because you need the Courage bonus, and you, re-rolling ones to wound... It's pretty good when you've got 39 models on the table. Yeah, all strength four as well. Yeah. And uh, your captains were the two new Forge World yeah. captains and um, Cardush, the fire uh, firecaller, which you don't often see. No, I think tr- people have trouble getting the figure for him. Mm. I sort of used the regular Shaman, but he's got the Fury and his secondary spell is the Flame Burst, which is like a three plus, but it's a strength six hit. So on literally anything, I can target horses with him. I can target banners with him. He's just... And the fairy fact is, with him, you can sacrifice the orcs to gain his will, but then you can re-sacrifice him to give the Witch King more will, to return up to a D6 will to him. So it's like a survivability chain. It's, it's really nice, and it worked really well, the fire, because yeah. um, there are a couple of key moments that you got a fire burst off yeah. uh, against the Hearthguard, yeah. and there was a Hearthguard in combat with the Moranon who caught the pri- who'd seized the prize. Mm. Had I won that combat, I might have killed him, I might have had the prize, and then you'd be on the back foot. Yeah. But instead... Let's just kill yeah. it. Let's just kill the half guard before he gets a chance. <laughs> yeah, kill the half guard. Don't give him a chance because if it's only a four to kill the Moranin, it's like kill him, create a hole so Moranin mm. can get out and do a scarper. Yeah. Because once I can get past you, I can outpace you just about, and then it's just like just run. And it ended up as an 8-1 loss to me because, um, as you say, you just you scarpered off the board. So you got the, the main objectives. Yeah. And um, I feel that in, my, in that game, I really didn't play Durin to his uh, effective. I was a bit scared of yeah. your two Orc captains with a lot of might and a lot of strike ability, yeah. uh, if that's a thing. Uh, and uh, I think I played that badly. Do you, how do you think I should have uh, uh, played uh, to try and beat you? I think with Durin, because he's got such a high defence and he's got his six plus invulnerables, you've you've got to just ignore it and just run him in mm. that's what he's designed for just get because if he wins a fight against one of his captains he's killing them yeah and he's probably killing the other guy on the other side because he's just so dangerous mm. and once you spent two or three turns with him not wanting to commit him i was like 
oh, I'll just have my orc captains here, just start to slaughter your half guard, and just, yeah. just then it created, start to create holes for me. And that's the thing with the strength five burly uh, captain there with the with a big old stick of death. It's uh, it was quite scary because I'm used to my half guard really surviving, but he was just chopping through a couple of guys' turn. Yep, having that captain wound your half guard on fours because he's strength five with his burly. Killing dwarfs on four is not something you see. And he, 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 he just, when he was winning the fight, he was just mincing them. And had it been a different scenario, um, do you, would you still think, I know how to do this, I know how to beat it, or, or do you think that it might have just been the scenario that, that really made it difficult for me? I think it was scenario-wise, you probably lucked out a little bit because the dwarfs don't tend to do too well on the movement scenario. Mm. So like this one and Reconoia, they don't tend to, it's not their favourite scenarios. But on different scenarios, because I've got the numbers, if we had an objective ones, I can afford to put one guy on an objective and think, I'm still going to outnumber you two to three yeah. to each one in the centre, and I can still outmaneuver you. So you get a little bit stuck, but that would probably play in your favour because I'm not trying to run away. I'm, I have to keep on top of you. I, I, I think you're right, actually. I think that um, your list is really well uh, well designed to be exactly my kind of army because you've got all the strength bonuses, you've got the numbers, you've even got the magic to just keep keep Jiren and the King's Champion out of out of combat. Well, well, Tanya, thank you very much for the game. It was brilliant and well done for the victory. Cool. Thank you very much for the game and good luck in your next race. Thank you. So with game three under wraps, I headed to the table for game number four, pint in hand. And I must say, at this point, my voice was starting to croak ever so slightly. I'll give you a quick summary of the match. I played against a fantastic Lake Town army, uh, including the four dwarves left behind. And uh, I must say, I really struggled against this list. They just chopped their way through me, leaving no quarter at all. Um, Just the amount of pure amount of might in that army was absolutely uh, impossible to, to... resist basically. Uh, It was a capture and control match so uh, my dwarves were struggling to keep a a tab on the objectives. I ended up getting two out of the five objectives after a wheel around the centre to capture a third one. It was a great match flip-flopping backwards and forwards from uh, from me to the the Lake Towners. Um, In the end uh, it it went down to the Lake Towners who took the victory Uh, but I must say had it ended a turn earlier I might have won. Had it ended a turn later Later, I might have won uh, and certainly had it had gone on for a couple more turns Durin was working his way towards the centre objective uh, axe in hand ready to chop down some uh, some desperate looking at Lake Towners but great game and uh, a loss to me I didn't get to have a chat because my voice was so desperately in need of rest at this point that I decided I'll, uh, I'll wait for the next morning but of course Desolation of Stockport is not just a tournament by day, it's a tournament by night, and it ended up with uh, plenty of drinks drunk in the evening, which, let's suffice to say, didn't do me any favours. After a night of merrymaking, my voice was basically non-existent at this point. You'll hear in a second just how bad it got on Sunday. But I started by asking Hector, who my opponent for game number five, what his army list was. So I've brought Aragorn, King Elisar, Gimli, Son of Gloin, Legless, Greenleaf, Eladan and Elra here as part of the Men of the West army list. 600 points, a pure hero. (laughs) Bang on 600 points and it's brilliant. They're so much fun but can be somewhat of a glass cannon sometimes. So Lords of Battle, which for a small army should be not too difficult, was rather difficult. Um, I 
sort of tried to keep myself in a corner and just defend the position but could not roll higher than a four or five for a lot of the match. Yeah, I think you burned through your mind quite quickly. Yeah, but I mean, with 15 might in an army and the free one per turn from Aragorn, I don't think it's too much of a problem to do that, but I may have slightly over gone. I, I think you did it right, actually. Um, you burnt through your mind, won the early combats, you killed a few guys, but I've got a lot of guys and it's a lot harder to kill them than the average Joe. <laughs> yeah, yeah, um, dwarves are stocky fellas. <laughs> I thought Aragorn was going to do more than he did. He killed Durin, which is obviously brilliant, but he could have hacked through a few more people with Andril killing on four pluses, whereas the rest of the army having, I think, sixes across the board is what I needed. And I killed six out of your how many? 28. <laughs> if you keep getting fights in combats, I've got so many bodies in the fights. Yeah, yeah. And to wound, just needing the six... So although I was winning probably a majority of the combats, I couldn't do the damage to allow me to win more later on and to stay alive and not get trapped when Legolas fell very early on. And then the elves just dropped and was thinned down. Well, it must be excruciating listening to me. So, uh, um, Hector, I really appreciate the game. Thanks very much. Thank you. Cheers. Game number six. My voice is even worse. It's... Uh, tale of woe for me uh, Quinn Duggan played against uh, you with your Iron Hills army yep. for recon you can tell the tale for me what happened a long time ago in a, far, in a land far far away dwarves had little legs and they walked and they walked and they walked so turn one uh, I decided to not come on the board uh, while Harry got on Durin's warband, but not the King Champion. Uh, turn two, both of my warbands arrived and walked up. King Champion also arrived, so board we're on is very woody. Seven wood bases. Uh, so the left-hand side of the battlefield was basically left alone. Uh, I came on heavily towards the right and marched up in between a wood and two hut and a hut. Uh, so Harry moved to intercept uh, so that I could get off the board. Uh, there was a risky gambit on the first turn that there could have been combat where I charged Dane into Duran and a Khazad guard having one priority after a very sneaky move by yourself. We rolled my priority roll so I lost. Yeah, so it, neither of us selected to strike because obviously you didn't want to give me a free heroic strike on a 50-50. Uh, so, we both got the six. Well, I spent Mike to get six. Uh, Roloff went to you. D Dane went bye-bye. <laughs> Dane went bye-bye very hard. And the game eventually devolved into just two massive walls slamming against each other. And with you having the hearth guard and the strength four, meant that you were cutting me down on fives rather than sixes, which is what I was wounding you on. And eventually you ground me down and you sent about four guys off on the right-hand side of the board edge, your right-hand side, uh, off the board, and uh, yeah, broke, everything ran. <laughs> it's all good though. My army list is Dane on board with 14 guys with Spear and Shield, and then you've got Banner with Spear and Shield in there. Then it's a Captain with nine crossbows with Spear, and then three normal guys with Spear and Shield. And when I looked at the matchup and I looked at the tables, 
I knew it was going to be hard for both of us because who likes woods? Filthy elves? Who likes elves? No one. So, <laughs> effectively, I was hoping for a scenario where potentially you had to come to me and I could utilise my shooting. We ended up rolling recon. Recon doesn't particularly favour either of us, I don't think. And I'm I feel like I made a few mistakes in terms of like deployment, like because I marched up in effectively a four deep brick of troops with crossbows at the back. You swinging in to intercept me was inevitable, and uh, yeah, the gamble with Dane was a massive gamble. Second one that hasn't paid off this tournament, but I like massive gambles because they're fun. In terms of anything you could have done better, uh, you've. Only Duran has access to march in your list, right? Or does he... You've got no march in your list. Right. So, yeah, that's not really a point I could bring up. Uh, I think it was a good choice to not move as a unified block and go around a wood so that you could cut me off on both sections of the board, really. King's Champion kind of just mulled through troops most of the game, but after Dane died for first turn, you didn't really need him to do too much. And... I don't particularly think there's anything you did wrong there. Happens, doesn't it? Gwyn Duggan there speaking to the mouth of Sauron, or Smeagol, or the Witch King, or basically anyone who sounds pretty awful. Uh, that was actually me talking briefly there. And at this point, although I still had games left to play, I thought it was wise to not talk to my final opponent, Harry Moore, who absolutely trounced me because I fatally split my army up. It was a Fog of War mission in the final uh, final round of the tournament. I decided to use a strategy of an ill-conceived feint towards a piece of scenery which I didn't even need to go towards in order to divert some troops away from the centre. But Harry's excellently well-crafted army list, including the Witch King, a line of berserkers with spear supports and banners behind them, absolutely annihilated my uh, Khazad guard with their numerous dice and their their ultra ultra strong powerful uh, two-handed weapons so it was a bit of a plastering 12-3 and Harry I'm sure I would have loved to have had a chat with you but I know you know that I simply couldn't manage it especially because I still had to talk to tournament organizer Jamie Giblin and the winner of the tournament Find out who won just after I had a chat with one of the tournament organisers, Jamie Giblin, with my quirky voice. Jamie Giblin! Um, one of the founding members of the GBHL Facebook page and the podcast. Um, this is one of the longest running tournaments as well. Did you ever imagine it to get this big when you first started it? Not, 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 never. <laughs> never. Um, it started out, it was like 10 players, I think, in the very first... A championship event we ran here and then to see it grow and grow each year up to the biggest one this year 98 signed well 110 signed up 98 on the day just incredible growth over 100 people were willing to come which is a i guess a massive thing for for the game generally yeah and we've even had people come in from abroad so we had a bunch of guys over from denmark i believe it was um we had about four of them traveled over so the fact that the event's drawing people from outside the UK, outside of driving range. It's just amazing that people actually want to come visit us. Many people, including myself, got back into the game because of the YouTube channel that you and James in particular um, created. How do you feel knowing that you might have played a part in the kind of resurgence of the game? It's such a nice feeling to have. Like The Lord of the Rings strategy battle game got me into this hobby and then obviously it disappeared once the film bubble burst. 
and then being able to sort of reignite the flames almost as it were and bring the hobby back and it might sound quite hum, um, like boasting or bragging but the, I, I think the channel and the YouTube channel definitely put it on the map again for Games Workshop and made them want to make the game again the tens of thousands of views for some of the early videos, the, like the how to play the Hobbit strategy battle game and stuff. So there's clearly a massive audience of people who are interested in watching and playing the game. Yeah, oh yeah, for sure. Most of our videos, like our regular content, regularly hit like a thousand, but then our sort of like more targeted videos, like how to play or top five, whatever's, showed there was a competitive scene and people wanted to play this game. There was just no material out there accessible for how to play it. Um, many rule books were out of print. You couldn't learn the game without a rule book, and so people didn't have the tools to get in. And I think our regular shows, the how to plays, really helped bring people into the hobby and create a community around it as well. Games Workshop it seemed like it had given up almost on on the Hobbit and and, and everything. But it, do you actually think that the channel made the difference? Was it was it down to you guys? I'd say yes. I, th- I think it was. I think uh, building that community growing it year on year showing it and the whole like catchphrase of support your hobbit hobby james and i when we started out thought that the hobby was dead and we would just re- we'd rebuild it we saw it happen in blood bowl they had their own living documents we thought that might be the future for lord of the rings and then obviously it must have been seen that there were these big attendance events and then games workshop picked it back up and how do you feel about the game's future now what, uh, what do you think do you think there is a long-lasting future still for the hobbit hobby now uh, I think with the uh, new Amazon production on the horizon, there's a long and lustrous future for Middle-earth strategy battle game. Elephant in the room here, um, you haven't been playing in tournaments for a while. The podcast itself is, uh, you're not really doing much anymore. Did you fall out of love with the game? Uh, it wasn't so much falling out of love with the game. I found uh, a new passion, Warhammer Underworlds. Um, it scratched all the itches for me in like the modern day of gaming. It's got low models, it's got cards, so it's got the deck building inside of it. I don't need to paint models, and I can play a game in half an hour. It seemed really targeted at people who are money-rich, time-poor, and that's what I sort of became towards the end of the GBHR podcast. And just in general, we all sort of grew up and moved on with our lives a little bit. James, co-founder, also, he had a child, and we just found our time was very restricted. Do you think you'll ever return? I'd, I'd never say never. Never say never. Okay, Jamie Giblin, thank you very much for talking to me. No worries, thank you very Even much. Even though I can't talk to you. <laughs> Desolation of Stockport 2019 champion and UK SPG System Open champion for 2019 is Mr. Edward Ball. How do you feel, first of all? Tired. <laughs> Um, uh, yeah, uh, I'm always happy to do well uh, at a tournament. Um, basically, I'm probably going to go feed uh, and then probably go to bed because seven two-hour games is is a long, hard weekend. Um, and the big night out in between. Well, the big night out was very much a big night in with many, many, many friends, particularly Mr. Sambuca and Mrs. Bailey's, uh, often combined in some cases. Absolutely. Uh, just tell us your list, because you've been playing variations of this a lot in the last year or so. Yeah, so I've um, pre- moved away from the Fell Beasts in the new edition, uh, basically Rivendell Knights. Uh, the list at 600 points is uh, Elrond with heavy armour on horse. 
10 Rivendell Knights, all with shields, one of which has also got a banner, which leaves you 165 points. Turns out Radagast on horse with Sebastian is also 165 points. Just summarise the strategy usually you'll be employing. The Knight Army is hypermobile, also has accurate shooting. The Rivendell Army bonus stacks, so you can stand still if you're not in uh, risk of being charged and hit uh, 89% of the time, which is better than a natural 2+. plus. Um, Rivendell Knights, uh, Rivendell Archers within six of the army leader get to re-roll misses if that archer didn't move. So you stand still, you shoot all your bows, you re-roll your ones and twos, uh, you then go, I'm an elven archer, kill them. Um, when they run at you, uh, because you have the additional uh, movement, you can charge and pick fights. When you lose the roll-offs and get charged, you can uh, go have Radagast at the back go, please fall over everybody. So even though on that turn you might not um, be doing some killing, you are not dying. Um, Radagast also has Aura of Dismay, so if you're against uh, a lower courage enemy, uh, they aren't charging you. So again, you're, you're picking your fights. What is it about the Fell Beast that isn't working in the new edition for you that the Rivendell Knights are able to do? Um, I'd, I'm not sure they're entirely comparable. Um, there have been probably six or seven different levers um, in relation to the Fell Beast that have changed. Um, the changes to Brutal Paratex, the lessening of offensive magic. Um, key here is Sapwill and Transfix. Um, Sapwill just is never worth casting at 5+. plus. Why aren't you casting Black Dot? Um... Transfix because the fight value, unless it's channeled, remains at the same. That means cutting the head from the snake is almost impossible because the fell beasts are only fight five. So if there you have to go and say uh, kill Dane, for example, you you have to channel transfix him or kill the army around him. Um, that's quite difficult, um, and it's it's kind of those basically in combination. Um, the additional sort of uh, perks to resisting magic, you know, if you get the natural six, you get that will point back. Um, so there's no one thing that makes them poor. It's just, you know, notch this lever from nine to eight, notch this lever from ten to nine, notch this lever from seven to six. And overall, that kind of puts them in the middle of the pack rather than in front of the competitive curve. And yeah, it's sort of, they, they can just also die a little bit. Um, one hurl per turn, one brutal power attack is, is key. Because you can't, you can't necessarily um, get what you want. Um, you can't also um, say barge and then hurl effectively because you use two brutal power attacks, whereas you could previously. Or heroic combat with two hurls, which is horrific, or was horrific. It is no longer existing. So, with your the Rivendell Knights list, um, is there a sweet spot? Do you think <clears throat> it, it scales quite well all the way up to a thousand points? You don't, um, you don't add more knights per se. You probably, even at a 1,000 points, are only looking at 15 or 16 knights. Um, at this points level, you're probably a little shorter than you'd want. At seven, at 700, you get, for example, Arwen and an additional knight. Um, so at that point, you are getting the the triple threat. You're getting Wrath of Brunin from Arwen, Wrath of Brunin from uh, Elrond, and then Nature's Wrath from Redagast. Um an additional 180 points you could then get say uh, Gandalf who has blinding light which compounds with the shooting efficiency but also then has strength and will which can channel into um, the elves for Wrath of Runa, which is quite good the The event was 7 games overall um, I lost round 4 yesterday 
but I went six and one. Um, I think overall my positive VP difference was fifty. About 50, I think VPD 50, VP4 was uh, maybe 10 or 12 more than that. Last game, you played Fog of War, uh, which has so many vari- variables. How important do you think that was um, in terms of the, the, being able to finish that, that final tricky game? Because it looked very tense um, watching from uh, from the sidelines, seeing the not quite sure, knowing who which hero you're going for and which hero um, you, know, you had to protect and things like that. So, so one thing uh, about the format that's key to understand is that we're only playing 600 points, yet we've got two-hour games. That is a long time for 600 points. In Fog of War, you there are four objectives, um, but you have to slowly just tick them off in your head. Um, one of them being broken, the, my opponent's army was um, a Moran and Orc sort of chaff horde with a, a few of the uh, Gurrits. Uh, Garrett's and a couple of other Gorbag Shagrat war leaders the one I forget and Kardash so get them broken because they don't have the best courage and over time that will help you so get them broken first it was then uh, what was key in the the game was we actually selected the same terrain piece to fight over Um, the deployment favoured me in that way because I was there sooner uh, which meant over the course of the game my opponent was basically moving slowly towards me while I'm shooting them, taking up defensive positions um, and also walking their heroes towards me. I wanted to kill Kardush, I got I managed to get Elrond and an elf on Kardush. Elrond lost his horse early on because Kardush went to have some fire. Uh, the horse died, um, which is sensible. Um, so I killed Kardush. Uh, I then had the terrain piece and I managed to inflict a wound on the person who he happened to be uh, trying to protect as well. So um, ended up at 10-1 in that final game. So, and and what, had it been a different mission, do you think you'd have you'd have won that game? Because David Farmer's a very, very good player. Um, is that Was that a difficult match-up generally is what I'm trying to get at? Um, the Fog of War is never easy because you have to... You and your opponents are trying to do different things in most cases. One thing that was a strong advantage for me in this game was he could only kill uh, kill Radagast because the generals give no VPs in this game. Uh, equally, I could only protect Radagast. So there is um, an implicit six-point VP swing before we even start. Um, if it was a different scenario, who knows? Um, if it's uh, domination, that probably favours uh, David Farmer because I'm a small elite force, he's a horde. Um, equally, uh, if he's trying to spread out, I can have my army annihilate this area of the board and go over to a different and sort of take the table that way. Uh, what else could have been left? Um, it, it entirely depends. There was a couple of um, Maelstrom ones left as well that probably favours me because I can spend night to come have my old army in one one specific area and he's going to struggle with variants of four warbands and also having a one one might warband is quite difficult um, you're the UK SBG system open champion yeah. so that means you get a free Articon ticket which I'm sure is great um, how many nights are you taking to Articon at 7.50, well, assuming I were to take knights, which isn't guaranteed, for 150 points, you add Arwen, which is 70 on Asphaloth. 
80 points is another three nights for 66 and then 14 so you probably had a had a random elf boy who left his horse at home and is that what you think you're going with or you, have you got other ideas that you want to keep keep stum on i have a lot of uh toys I have far far too many toys um, I paint far too slowly. Um, there's all hero. I might even bring fell beast out just for funsies because I think by by that time of the year, um, they could be kind of completely out of the meta. I'm always going to back myself if I bring them. I'm not going to bring them if I don't think I have a chance. So the fell beast could come out, and at 750, that's quite good because you get four and shelob if you plan it right. Ed. Always a pleasure talking to you. Wonderful. Thank you, Harry. Even though you can't hear my voice and it sounds awful. Hello, my name's Harry. (laughs) Thank you, Harry. Thanks, Ed. Cheers. That was really interesting. There you go. Gentleman and toy soldier scholar Ed Ball, victor of Desolation of Stockport 2019, and gets a free ticket to Ardacon as part of the UK SBG Open Champion. So uh, well done to Ed and well done to the collection of Rivendell Knights he took along to that tournament. this weekend and well done to my voice for just about managing to hold on in for being able to ask the questions to Ed and Jamie Giblin right there at the end. Thank you to everyone who put up with me uh, with the games, especially on the Sunday of the tournament, because it must have been a pain to play against someone who was basically mute and pointing at toy soldiers throughout the day and rolling dice and things like that. So thank you to all of you, and thank you to you if you've made it this far to the end of the podcast. I realise at times this must have been very excruciating to listen to, because uh, you might be able to hear the strain in my vocal cords hopefully I'll be able to give it a good old rest the vocal cords until next time on Entmoot but briefly just remind you of the riddle in the dark clip if you think you know who speaks next after this little clip in the Lord of the Rings or the Hobbit movies then get in touch entmootpodcast at gmail.com if you think you know who says the next things and what they say And of course, another quick plug for my Lord of the Imps event in October. Uh, If you are interested in coming along to that event, uh, feel free to email me at entmootpodcast at gmail.com. It's going to be a great fun event. Uh, Lunch provided on both days. uh, Frivolities in the evening, including an SBG bingo quiz, which I will reveal uh, more details about on the event page later on. Uh, Just search for Lord of the Imps on the GBHL page on Facebook. And the next tournament I'm heading to is at Sutton in Ashfield, tournament by Daniel Entwistle, who is uh, another one of the founding members of the GBHL, a crucial member, I believe, who actually originated the league itself as opposed to the channel. So, uh, And it'll be really interesting to talk to him about the tournament and the league, of course, the origins of that league as well. Um, hopefully he'll be up for the chat, I'm sure he will be. Um, and also, of course, talking to the various opponents and the winners of that slightly interesting tournament it's an escalation event so you start with a smaller army and build up to a bigger army on the second day Uh, i'm looking forward to that and i'm looking forward to recording the podcast and telling you about what ideas i have i'll keep them quiet for now that is it for the moment thank you again for listening right to the end Uh, that'll do me for now and i'm going to go and take some lozenges thanks for listening and may your dice ever roll sixes (laughs) 